1: All
2: authority in heaven and earth, Jesus says, but given to who? To me, to Jesus. When Jesus left the earth, who did he leave the authority to? Hello? Every Christian. So I have the authority, and I have the power. So then I can, when God deems it necessary, he uses me, he uses you, he uses other people, to free people. So understand that power is incredible. God has the power. Ultimate power and authority, but he passes that to
0: every believer. At first glance, the idea of Jesus passing his power on to you might seem crazy. Me, you think? Remembering all your insecurities and weaknesses? No way could you be used like the apostles or the great men and women of the faith. If this is your thinking, Pastor Mark's teaching will show you that God says otherwise. As you hear about Paul and Silas's interaction with the people around them, You'll find out that as they lived their lives doing what God wanted them to do, God used them to bring salvation to an entire family. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Acts chapter 16, as he continues his message, The Power of Prayer.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons
2: You're Paul and Silas. You meet a young girl who is filled with Satan. Does our prayer need to be powerful? What are you going to do with that in the natural? You going to solve that in the natural? He said, Pastor Mark, I never have any problem like that. I never meet anybody with a demon or whatever, and there's no, no demons around in the United States anymore. Wake up. So, how are you going to do this in the natural? You can't do that in the natural. So, Paul and Silas have been prayed up. They're ready for what God wants to do in their life. By the way, you know divination is wrong. And all of these things with Ouija boards and contacting the dead, and I know, I guess there's a new, new uh, series coming this fall on television again, like, you know, contacting the dead and whatever. All of that is the occult world that's filled with Satan. Deuteronomy 18 says don't even get near it. Verse 17, the girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now that message was true, but the messenger was not related to the message. So Satan's a great deceiver. Verse 18. Well, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled in his spirit that he turned around and said, notice, not to her, to the Spirit. In the circle, this is your Bible, if you've never done it, in the name of Jesus. Remember, we took a whole... Part of a session teaching on how do we pray? We pray in the name of Jesus. So in verse 18 is a prayer. This is a prayer. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. What I think is incredible is, notice, at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, how did that happen? The power of prayer. You see, Prayer is powerful because God is powerful. If you just look at that for a moment, and I'll come back to it, I probably have a note for it later, but I want you to get it now. Follow me. Here's Paul. He's an agent of God. He prays in the name of Jesus to the power of God against Satan. Who wins this battle? Who's more powerful? Now, if we do this ten times out of ten, can that work ten times out of ten? Can it work a million times out of a million? Why? Because God is more powerful. So understand that with all the things that Satan can do, with all of those kind of things that he can do, God is always more powerful. Always, 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 always. So that's why prayer is incredibly powerful. It's not the 80-20 rule. It's not four out of five times. The prayer of God, the power of God, always defeats the enemy. Now, how did that happen? How did Paul feel right to do that? What about you and I? Well, look at this just for a moment. Matthew 28 gives us the clue. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus said to them, the disciples, just before he left this earth, he said this. All Here's the word I want you to listen to. All authority in heaven... And on earth has been given to me. Now, power is spiritual ability. Authority is the right to exercise that power of God. Let me give you an illustration. Power. I can have the most powerful car in all the world. I can be on the mitten here, and every light in front of me, all the way from here, all the way down to Vieira, which will never happen, by the way, can be green. I can have all this power, but I can go nowhere until it actually turns green. I can have the engine go boom, 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 and it's red, and it's red, and it's red, and it's red. Well, I've got the power, but I don't have any authority to go through the red light. Now let me talk about authority. I can have the longest green light in the world. I can just see it forever. I do green, 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 green. But I can't get my car started. So the green light doesn't do me any good. So how do we operate with God? Well, two ways. Notice, I have the power of God. Now, where do I get that power? When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts eight says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will have the power of God. Now, if I have the power of God, the engine in the car is ready to go. But I need a green light. I need the authority. I need the authority to exercise that power. Where do I get that authority? Well, Matthew 28, notice, all authority in heaven and earth, Jesus says, but given to who? To me, to Jesus. When Jesus left the earth, who did he leave the authority to? Hello? Every Christian. So I have the authority, and I have the power. So then I can, when God deems it necessary... He uses me, he uses you, he uses other people to free people. So understand that power is incredible. God has the ultimate power and authority, but he passes that to every believer. Now be careful with that. We don't go around here casting demons out and as, you know, everybody's got a demon. They don't. Many times it's not a demon at all. It's just man's will. They just refuse. To serve God, because they don't want to serve God. They don't need God. But in this case, this girl was demon-possessed. She couldn't help herself. And so Paul stepped in. The whole city was watching. What would take place? Well, we see that God's power is greater than Satan's power. As a result of this, verse 19. By the way, how did this demon come out? Through prayer. Powerful prayer. How can a marriage be restored? Through prayer. Are there demons in marriage? Rarely. What is the problem in marriage? Two individuals that aren't submitted to God. They're going to do their own thing. So God comes in and ministers through the power of prayer. When you as a spouse realize that you're standing in a place and dividing your marriage, or maybe you're a child in rebellion, a teenager here, you're rebellion, when you realize that you're going against God, the only way that that whole thing are going to be back with your parents again is to submit to God. So it isn't a demon thing. It's you. You haven't submitted your will to God. Same thing in a marriage. If you get both marriage partners to realize that God wants them to be together, we already know what his will is, and they will submit and humble themselves, and then Amos says, can two walk together unless they agree? Well, no, they can't. So we can live in a home together. It looks good, but we're not walking together. No one can do that if you agree. Well, what are you agreeing on? That Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over my life. He's Lord over your life. So as we work through this, notice what happens in verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that the hope of making money was gone, here we come back to money again, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So people are watching. The power of God was incredible. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar by advocating customs and law for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, put yourself in the position. You've been used by God powerfully. Prayer worked powerfully. Freed this girl. Where do you find yourself next? In jail. Feet split. Back bloody. Rat infested. Damp, muddy. Whatever. But well, wait a minute, God. I, in your name I cast out this demon. Now where I find myself? You see, God's ways are not our ways. If you're Paul and Silas, maybe the first thing you're saying is when these guys arrest you, what would you be kind in the natural saying? Get them, God. Strike them dead right there. Now you laugh, but we'd be right there saying it. Or as the guy's getting ready to flop the whip, God, just take it and we can go backwards on him. We'd be kind of maybe tempted to say those kind of prayers, wouldn't we? But we don't see that from Paul and Silas. They submit to this tremendous beating, thrown into prison, beaten with rods. Verse 25. Remember I told you that prayer in the life of Paul had become a pattern. It had become a habit. It was something that was scheduled in his life all day long. Well, at midnight, notice what we see. You've seen it before. Normally, when we read this verse, we remember Paul and Silas singing. They were. But look at the verse. What else were they doing? Now, what do you think their prayers were? If you're there, what are you praying? From A to Z, right? All kinds of things. Who knows? God help. We're hurting. May your name somehow through this mess be glorified. We don't know exactly what they're praying, but they're singing hymns. And they know one thing. People are watching. People have been watching since the girl had been freed. Do you know that people are watching you? And they're watching me? And they're watching how we handle life. Pastor Mark, this isn't fair. No, it isn't. By the way, let me ask you a question. very important question. Are Paul and Silas out of the will of God? You'd hear that taught in some churches. Can't be in the will of God and suffer this kind of thing. Where's the name it and claim it? Where's the perfect health? There's no perfect health here at the moment. So they're not out of the will of God. They've been praying. They've been used mightily by God. It's easy for us... Because we know the end of this story. Paul and Silas don't know the end. They're right in the middle. They're still singing praises to God, thank God, and they're praying. I'd love to know what Paul prayed. They don't know how it's going to end, they don't know whether this is the end. But they're praying. Now, why would we pray? Well, we're praying for wisdom, we're praying for direction, we're praying for strength praying for help. All of us do that all day long. Now, as they were there praying, the other jailers obviously are watching them as they're singing. So just to remind you, serving Christ, it does bring hardships. It doesn't eliminate those things in our lives. I think some of the things they'd have been praying about, and it might seem strange to you, I think Paul probably remembers back And all the people that watched this girl who had been taking the community's money for a long time, when they saw her freed, that had to grab somebody's attention, the power of God. The power of God was more than the power of Satan. So I think part of his prayer would have been thanking God for what had just happened in their lives that day, even though at the moment... They're not too excited. You know, later Paul would write this. We don't also know what they were singing, but later Paul and Philippians would write, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So it could very well be that they were reacting with that wonderful faith and joy instead of complaining and fear. Notice back at verse 25, the other prisoners were listening to them. In our places of work today, In our homes, the way we've talked to our employees, the way we've talked about our employers, the way the husbands have talked about their wives and the wives about their husbands, if we took those recordings and just began to randomly play them on the overhead sound, what would they sound like? Complaining? Griping? Tearing down or building up? See, I don't believe you would have heard Paul in there going, Well, thanks a lot, God. I think the prisoners were shocked. Notice the writer says, Luke, Dr. Luke says, The prisoners were listening. You see, when we're going through very difficult times, and we all do, the world is listening. What do our prayers sound like then? That speaks volume to our maturity. Now, not only were they listening, but boy, were they watching. What had happened to the prison field? I believe Paul noticed this. The prison became a mission field. Isn't that strange? Maybe Paul's now going, "Uh uh-oh, I kind of get it. All of a sudden... God, you've allowed this because you have a greater end result than I could have ever envisioned. I I thought it was terrific when the one girl was freed, But there's something bigger you see through what you've allowed to happen to us. It's way bigger. And so this prison becomes a mission field. Now, as they were praying, you might even... Circle the word 26 because it always doesn't happen like that. But I like it here because it did happen like that. Suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The foundations were shaken. All the prison doors flew open. And everybody's chains became loose. Now, prayer is powerful because God is powerful. Do you think that the prisoners listening to those prayers, do you think they related anything to those prayers to the earthquake and the prison doors opening? You're in jail with me. We're all in jail together. And you listen to me singing, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. You're going, what is with the idiot over there in the corner? And then you hear this, oh God, Thanks for using us today and give us strength to get through this pain, God. We know you're a loving God and you care for the world, God. We know that. I can imagine Paul's preaching the gospel right in there in his prayer. You know, I know, you, God, you died for the sins of all the world. Jesus Christ is the only way. You know, I can hear him going through it. And God somehow delivers. <laughs> Do you understand what I was trying to say to you? Now, those prisoners, the tension was there. The town had been watching. The prisoners had been watching. In a moment, you're going to see that the caretaker had been watching. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. What does God do? When God opened the prison doors, he opened a door of opportunity. That's what I want to get through to your mind today. Prayer is powerful because it opens doors of opportunity. This prisoner had no hope. None of the prisoners had hope. This prison guard had no hope now. Because he's envisioning his mind, all these guys are leaving. So God says to him, I have another thing in mind. Not only am I going to use you as a great witness here. Your prayers have been powerful. Because there's a great witness here. There's a great witness in town. But there's going to be a greater witness to this man and his family. Paul doesn't even know it at the moment. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. You know the whole story. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, why did he ask that? We don't know the whole story, but for sure he had known Paul and Silas while they were there. He had heard what happened in town. The possessed girl was freed. Something supernatural just happened. The prisoners are there. He can't believe that. And he opened his heart. By the way, the question that he asked, what must I do to be saved, is the most important question of life. And anything you and I go through, the greatest prayer you and I can pray in any case is not God heal somebody, not God deliver this situation, not God even bring wisdom in this situation. God save this person's life. I hope in your prayers you're praying for the salvation of, of specific people. Not just delivering, not just healing, good prayers. Not just God arranges these circumstances, good prayers. Give me direction, good prayers. But boy, the main thing is the main thing. God did all of this to save a family. To bring them to ask this very question, God, what do I do? How, How do I get this power In my life, Paul, like you have. I don't know a God like this. I don't understand a God personally like this at all. Now, then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Remember, each family member was there. And look at verse 33. What happened? At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Now, what is the greatest proof of God's power in our life? It's a changed life. And there's no greater change. We minimize this. There's no greater change than a person becoming born again. No greater change. If half the congregation died right here, and let's say none of you were saved, and God, through power, resurrected every single one of you in this section, and you came right back to life, man, that would be in the newspapers everywhere. But that's not the greatest miracle. Because between that time of being raised from the dead and when you die, if you didn't come to the Lord, then it was useless. So the greatest thing is our own story. Second Corinthians 3.18, look what it says. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. What is the most powerful thing that can really happen after a changed life? Is to become more and more and more and more and more like Christ. That's what's happening in you guys. I'm so proud of you. You're changing. The power of prayer changed you. You see, all of us came to the Lord because somebody prayed for us. Powerful prayers. Our lives were changed. Some of you were a little more work for God, although it's like that we're like that. Not a big deal to God. But you were really messed up, weren't you? And God just supernaturally did us. Other of us were kind of raised in homes, just sinners, just never got into all kind of stuff, but just going to hell just like anybody else. But we needed the same power. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it's the power of God unto salvation. I want you to be encouraged in your life tonight that the prayers that we pray, if they come from a fervent heart, are powerful prayers, not because of us, because of God.
0: You learned from Pastor Mark today that the things Paul and Silas had to deal with aren't much different than some places you might go to today. Superstition, demon possession are around today just like they were then. Pastor Mark reminded you that one of the constants is God's love for people and his desire to be in a relationship with him. That's where you come in. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, this brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, The Power of Prayer. Next time, he'll begin a message called Five Ways God Answers Prayer. He'll be getting you used to the idea that God cares about you and that he's interested in blessing your life. You'll learn more about the character of God, and you'll find out how much he wants to be in relationship with you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, That's next time on Lessons for Living.